Hello, this is UU Utah Phillips, the golden voice of the Great Southwest, and you are listening once again to Loafer's Glory, the Hobo Jungle of the Mind. Wide enough to keep you looking, open enough to keep you moving, dry enough to keep you honest, prickly enough to make you tough, green enough to go on living, old enough to give you dreams. Again, I did 25 of these things uh, up into the late spring, uh, Loafer's Glory, the Hobo Jungle of the Mine, and then I just got tired and decided to lay out over the summer. It's been uh, quite an active summer, however, but now I'm prepared to hopefully launch into the next 25. I, I want to keep Loafer's Glory going clean into the next millennium until I run out of ideas. The millennium. The millennium. I hate the millennium. I I refuse to date my existence from some mythological event cooked up by some religion I don't even like very much. How about the Buddhists? What year do they say it is? I'll go with that. They're pacifists. Ah. Settle down, Utah. We'll get worked up. Well, here I'm in the studio with myself and uh, Steve Baker, who's still the engineer twisting the knobs. That was the Boersdorfs. Uh, Hawks and Eagles doing the introduction. The poem... I just recited uh, Earth Verses by uh, Gary Snyder, who lives up on the San Juan Ridge, uh, on the other side of the, the gorge from us. And we are in Nevada City, the new age chronosynclastic infundibulum of the Western world. Everybody here eats natural foods, except me. My doctor, Dr. Miller, said 80% of people die from natural causes, so I'm back to pizza and Slim Jims. It's that time of the year... Harvest time, the wonderful time of the year. It's a magical time. We were rife with plums at home. The trees groaned with them. I put up plum conserves and plum preserves, put up jars of uh, hot kosher dill pickles from my grandmother's recipe. Um, I sent away, I got my winter coat in the mail, mail order from a sporting goods firm in, in Israel called Hillel Bean. I had a pretty good garden this year. I had some fine zucchini. It is God's will that the zucchini will grow. I don't care what you do. You can't kill it with a hammer. I let it grow as big as it wants. I took one of them, trestled it up, hollowed it out, went fishing in it. Beavers ate it right out from under. Well, I'll varnish it next year. It ought to work, you know. Uh, I generally load the, uh, roll the zucchini off to the side of the yard for a windbreak. My neighbor looked over the fence and said, you leave that zucchini out here in the hot, late summer sun, it'll rot from the inside out and sink into the Mother Earth in a welter of its own festus and smegma. Ah, but, folk wisdom from the foothills of the Sierra. He said, you cut that giant zucchini, Hindenburgini, he called it, cut it open end from end for end and uh, lay it out flat and it will dry in the sun. And you can burn it in your fireplace. I had four cord of zucchini laid up for winter. 
Farm news here. I, I want information about this. This is a, from, from the newspaper. Farm income is expected to be down 15% nationwide in farm or in some states because of plunging grain prices. Droughts in the south, crop disease in the Midwest. Wheat prices are down 30% from the average for the past five years now. It seems to me if there's drought, it seems to me if there's crop disease, that means scarcity, and scarcity means the prices go up. Now, did somebody repeal the law of supply and demand without telling me? Now, somebody out there who's familiar with agriculture, uh, agribusiness, whatever they're up to, please write or call in and tell me what the hell they're talking about. Now, I was going to sing you a song here. Well, I am going to sing you a song here, but I left home without my guitar, and then I decided to go home and get it a couple minutes ago. My car had run out of gas at the curb. Things happen that way. Well, nobody ever came to listen to me play the guitar anyway. Kate Wolf said that. Thanks, Kate. It's an old, I will sing it without a guitar. Hell, I learned this song off of Dave Mort who was out walking the forest in Utah for the geological survey, but he was from West Virginia. He gave me this old farmer's song. I am a jolly farmer, last night I come to town Just to bring a bale of cotton, I had worked the whole year round I left my team in the wagon yard and got a bottle of gin Went out to see the electric lights and watched the cars ride in I met a dude out on the street, the clock was striking nine He said, come on, old hayseed, and have a drink, it's fine I must have bought a dozen or more, it hit my pocketbook hard I wished I'd have bought a half a pint and stayed in the wagon yard I'm a deacon in a hard-shell church way down in Possum Trot. When the sisters hear about my spree, it's bound to make them hot. I went out on a party and led the pace that kills. When I woke up, the gang was gone. They left me with the bills. I found them on the corner by Soul Salvation Hall. That drunken bunch was out there singing, Jesus paid it all. They threw me out in a dry goods box and my pillow was hard. I wished it had bought a half a pint and stayed in the wagon yard. So listen, all you farmers, I'm here to talk with sense. You want to see them electric lights? Just look right over the fence. Don't monkey with them city dudes, you'll find they're slick as lard. Get just yourself a half a pint and stay in the wagon yard. <clears throat> wagon yard. Well, magic. It is a magical time of the year. Let me dwell upon that for a minute. Hmm? I was going to play down in Salem, Oregon. I was living in Spokane at the time, and as is my want, I asked for the local newspaper, so I'd say I have some idea of who I was going to be with and what they were up to. They sent me the Willamette Valley newspaper. And there was an interview with Jerry Andrus, an older gentleman, a legendary magician, who invented a style of ledger domain of intimate magic that doesn't depend for success on distraction, but demands that you watch his hands. That's absolutely extraordinary. In the body of that interview, Jerry Andrus said, I believe that every magician, every magician, is really looking for a trick that requires no deception. Imagine that, a trick that requires no deception. Well, I went down there to play. I was playing in Corvallis, and funny, a friend uh, there drove me over to see Jerry Andrus in a big, towering pile of a Victorian house crumbling into ruin, and inside it was all stuffed with everything. He had collapsible ducts that he had made himself to take uh, a heat from the wood heater to every room in the house. Jerry Andrus had... In, in one small room, a three-decked huge organ that he built himself with wires sticking out in every direction. 
and a stool in front of it. And he had this machine he had invented that would scroll his poetry in front of him so they could recite it into the, into the microphone and record it without having to take his hands off of the keyboard, you see. And he had a little theremin on the keyboard that he'd play with one hand, and then he had a photoelectric eye over the other shoulder shining down onto the console so that if you lifted his shoulder, it would raise the whole console a half step or lower to half step. I mean, he was a very strange man. And, and well, I said, and of course the question was obvious, Mr. Andrus, can you perform, you don't, do you know anybody who can perform a trick that requires no deception? You know what he did? He took a big blanket key, a horse blanket uh, uh, safety pin, one of those big safety pins, rigid, tough. I played with it. I opened it. I closed it. It was the real article. There's nothing wrong with it. He said, put it on the table. I put it on the table. He said, put your hand over it. Put my hand over it. He said, now concentrate real hard. And you know, that pin opened. I felt it right under my hand. I picked it up. My hand up. It was open. Now, Jerry Andrews looked at me and said, I just tricked you. No, as much as I want to, I don't believe you can go any place in the world and find a trick that requires no deception. Ah, well, I'll give you this poem. Now, this might be real magic, magic that does require no deception, or maybe a lot of deception. The poem called The Magician by Joan Colby. Whenever the magician snaps his fingers, a man and woman lie down together. The man is lost in love. The woman winks. The magician knows another trick. In this one, there are red flowers to draw the eye from a sleeping city. Love supplants government. It knows the power of distraction. You only think this benevolent bearded man is the magician. His indio altar face lurks in the wings. Think of a man's white rabbit. It disappears in a woman's black hat. Everyone gasps. They want the commonplace to be extraordinary. The magician obliges. The man and woman fall in love. It lasts. Boo. Magical to the bumper doodle needle. 
Melvina Reynolds, my old friend Melvina Reynolds with a bunch of kids wailing on one of her fine songs. And don't we miss Melvina, a, a, a great song maker. The most magical experience I've ever had in my life, I, I've got to admit, was up in northern Minnesota, up there by Hibbing, over by Superior, the home of the Finns, the Red Finns, the White Finns. Was at a place called Masaba Park. I'd been invited there to to sing old red songs, to sing labor songs, uh, wobbly songs. Well, I went up there. Masaba Park was way out in the woods, way way out in the woods. It was a park that was founded by Gustavus Hallstrom, Gus Hall's father. And if you don't know who Gus Hall was, well, shame on you. Masaba Park in the late 1920s, was founded by Finns who were furloughed from the mines or on strike. What they did was they found this forest lake that wasn't on anybody's map, and the logging map said it had all been logged off, and they didn't have it on their map. So they got this lake. They all pooled their money and bought it, and the land around it. You know, that lake has never had a motor in it. They took the timber that was there and and built a big lodge with a dance floor in it, and they built little cabins, and that's where, where people could go, families could go and cool off and get away from the mines and spend time together. The old Finns, the young Finns, well, they had a beautiful dance up there. That, by the way, the time I was invited there was a, a, a day sacred to all Finns. It's called Johannus, St. John's Eve. Um, the uh, the eve of the summer solstice, and that's why they were there. Well, they had a wonderful barbecue, and of which I ate ample amounts, and then they had a dance where they bent the floorboards on that thing, and some old Finnish music. Uh, there was... Um, I'm going to play one of those finished dance tunes. Now, I want you to stop what you're doing, put down your vegetable graters and your funky old newspapers, and launch yourselves to your feet in a Terpsichorean fit and dance about, dance about, exercise your bodies. Uh, what we're going to listen to um, is Baron Pakonainen. Baron Pakonainen is from um, Karelia. Karelia is the, where they still do the old ways in Finland, although it's part of, of Russia and has been for quite a long time. I, Baron Pakonainen, I met him, I wanted to find his music, and he gave me his business card, and they are all handwritten on squares of birch bark. That's the real article. Let's listen to Karelia doing Manitusta.
Lena Tuska, Finnish aggregation Karelia. Did you dance? Huh? Did you bend your floorboards? Up there at Masaba Park, and I'm a member of that, by the way. It's a co-op, and it only costs maybe 5 $6 a year to belong to it. Every now and then you're, you're called upon to send them equipment they need to, to clear brush or dig post holes. The main event at Johannes, St. John's Eve, midsummer, there at Masaba Park. Over the three or four days before, all the members of the Finnish community, all the members of Masaba Park had gotten together there, and they'd pulled all the deadfall out of the forest. And they stacked up in front of their lodge an enormous pile of big and small deadfall. I mean, it was bigger than two stories high, no fooling. And at midnight, Johannes, the solstice, they all gathered around, the Finns, grandfathers, their children, their children, grandchildren. They all joined hands and set that enormous pile of wood on fire. And it flamed up to the sky. It flamed up eight or ten stories, a magnificent fire. And they all joined hands. And you know what they did? They sang the International in Finnish. Now... I don't have them singing the International in Finnish. I, I, wouldn't, I didn't want to record it then. I don't want any of you to go up there and record it. Leave it, leave it as it is. Leave it be, all right? I'm almost sorry I told you. Well, just north of them is Winnipeg. Winnipeg, Canada has a Winnipeg labor choir. I'll give you a field recording that was done in the old Ukrainian workers' hall, the Winnipeg labor choir and the International.
In these, the waning days of Babylon, we hold the burning clothes and coals in our hands. We blow on them to keep them alive. I was in Winnipeg. In fact, I got that in Winnipeg about uh, three, two weeks ago. I was up there at a festival. Um, uh, the uh, World Outdoor World Outdoor Festival, and some of the people from the the Winnipeg Labor Choir came, and uh, and I got that that recording from them. Um, I know I'm not supposed to be traveling much, you know, and I've said to you before that uh, I do have this uh, problem with my heart, which is why why I do radio now instead of traveling about. But I've been working hard at it, and now I give myself about one thing, or maybe at the outside, two things a month to do outside of town. Well, I was up doing a benefit with a bunch of other people for Sisters of the Road, which is a cafe on the Skid Road of Portland for homeless people, for transient people, uh, street people. It's a wonderful place, run on Catholic worker principles. And at that show, I I told the audience uh, what my health situation was, and uh, I'll play that for you right now. So I'm stranded in Nevada City. I give myself one thing a month to do, and this is it. And, uh, and then I, but uh, Nevada City, well, I have this, like I say, congestive heart failure, and, and I do a cardiac rehab exercise class uh, three days a week, and that seems to be doing me a world of good. I, mean, I don't feel you know, too bad at all, as a matter of fact, and I, and I like that a lot. thing about Nevada City is, and I don't want any damned advice about heart disease. Because Nevada City, California is the chronosynclastic infundibulum or epicenter, as it were, of new age healing. It's every damn, I mean, do I get advice? I get advice. Everybody's got something, I got a, uh, 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 he sent me to a Zen acupuncturist. Wears a blindfold, uses darts. So be, I'm moving, I'm moving, I'm moving out. I got, really mobile, I like that. Oh. Well, so many healers there, it makes me sick. <laughs> they have one people, they people, I don't, they want to suspend me in a tank that's totally black in the water. What is that? You, you, it's called sensory deprivation. Wanted to charge me a hundred dollars and said, hell, I can listen to Leonard Cohen records and get the same thing. <laughs> It is a new age town. Our little Catholic church there, little old wooden Catholic church from the gold rush days, has low-cal, high-fiber communion wafers. (laughs) They're called, I can't believe it's not Jesus. Health. Health. Yeah, I am feeling pretty good. Well, the, the real occasion for being out there at Winnipeg, though, was uh, there's a bunch of people that I've hung out with for over 30 years uh, called the Rose Tattoo. It's people who are involved with trains, riding the freight trains or working on the railroad. It was about 20 of us. Well, six of us got together, as many as we could get together, ha- have a rendezvous every year. So we were going to have our rendezvous up there uh, in northern Minnesota at a place called Deer Lake, way, way out in the edge of the wilderness. Of course, a lot of us can't afford to get there, so we let Winnipeg pay for us to come and sing there. And then that, of course, uh, paid our freight uh, to get there to, to Deer Lake. Deer Lake, well, we were out there 
on the edge of a beautiful, beautiful lake, and it was ricing season, and the people were out in their canoes bending the, the wild rice over to the canoes and, and battening with sticks the, the heads of the rice off into the bottom of the canoes to, to be taken away to be dried. Um, chill nights and warm days. There was a cabin there, Marshall Sloth. It was his spread, Marshall Sloth. He showed us pictures of that cabin being skidded across the ice during the winter when that lake was frozen uh, to get it where it was now. Oh, they run the bar. Uh, he and his wife run the bar in Effie, which is a town that's practically not there. Effie. Effie's um, it's called the Neighborhood Bar. And there was an Englishman who was at that bar visiting relatives, and the Englishman wrote home, it's odd, in northern Minnesota, they make all the drunks wear orange. Well, of course, he didn't know it was hunting season, so Sloth has a, a baseball caps with ear flaps, only in Minnesota, that say on a neighborhood bar, Effie, where all drunks must wear orange. He built a big fire pit down by the edge of the lake, and there were tents and sleeping bags scattered out through the brush, and me and my old comrades of the road, we sat around and we yarned and told stories and shared food. We shared the old tramp songs, the old tramp poems. Listen to the loons out over the water. Try this. Say, mate, have you seen the mills where the kids at the looms spit blood? Have you been in the mine when the fire damp blew, shipped as a hand with a freighter's crew, or worked in a levee flood? Have you rotted wet in a grading camp, or scorched in a desert line? Have you done your night stint with your lamp, watching the timbers drip with damp, or heard the oil rig whine? Have you had your pay held back for tools you never saw or could use? Have you gone like a fool with the other fools to the boss's saloon where the strong arm rules? and cashed your time for booze. I do no kicking at God or fate. I keep my shoes for the road, the long gray road, and I love it, mate. Hayfoot, strawfoot, that's my gate, and I carry no other man's load. I don't mind working to earn my bread, and I'd just as soon keep straight. But just like the preacher man said, I'm a ram and I've missed the gate. But I'm jogging along, jogging ahead. Perhaps I'll find it, mate. He comes like rain, like wind he goes Wasting no one's time or tears He bears the pain and takes the blows As he walks out his lonely years Although the wealthy share the spoils Still the good times pass him by They say he's too old to toil And yet he's still too young to die his bindle and moves on 
and dark against the failing light. His frail form dwindles and is gone. Perhaps he'll pass this way again, and maybe not for no one knows. It doesn't matter where or when. He comes like rain, like wind he goes. Perhaps he'll pass this way again. And maybe not for no one knows. It doesn't matter where or when. He comes like rain, like wind he goes. Fresno, the man who plays jolly music. You know, I had thought on the second series of 25 of, for the sake of variety, changing the intermission music, but oh no, I dislike Kenny too much. I like him as a human being. The Rose Tattoo. Tattoos. Well, they don't call them jaggers anymore. They don't even call themselves tattoo artists. They're called dermographers these days. Tattooing is not anything I'd encourage you to do. Or, or discourage you from doing. It's a, it's a form of personal decoration. You just got to make sure you find somebody safe who isn't unscrupulous. The, the ethic among tattoo artists, among dermographers, is never tattoo a visible extremity. So if you find somebody who's willing to do that, chances are that uh, he's, it's, he's not going to do a real good job. Make sure that he has uh, an autoclave to sterilize his needles. And make sure that he has... Um, uh, Little capsules of ink so that the dyes, the ink he uses to tattoo you, uh, when he's done, is thrown away and he's not using the ink from somebody else. They're just rules to follow. I've studied tattooing now for a number of years, trying to learn the lore of it. The only way to do that is to get worked on, huh? to lie there and let some guy carve on your arm with razor blades and try to have a conversation. It's the pain, the pain with make tattoos. 
I remember Cliff Raven over there in Chicago, up on Belmont, across from the quiet night. Cliff Raven, who gave me my traditional, it's a ship that says Homeward Bound. He had a big piece of flash. Flash is the pictures you look at to decide which tattoo you want. A big piece of flash in the window was his shill, his come on. It got people in off the street. It was a flag raising at Iwo Jima with crossed muskets and bunting the whole nine yards. And a sign underneath said in neon, if you can take this tattoo at one sitting, you will get it for nothing. Well, there I was sitting there and his needle going and giving me the ship. I said, now, now be honest with me, Cliff. Did you ever give one of those away? Cliff Raven said, I control the throw on the needle. I can make it hurt as much as I want. Cliff. Well, then there was Danny Danzel over there on 2nd Street in, in Seattle before they redeveloped it, we were coming in on the troop ship Mitchell. The troop ships were coming in from uh, Japan, from Incheon to Japan and back to, to Seattle. And these troopers got off of the ship. Now, lots of them had on R&R to the Ginza in Tokyo awakened with uh, rude tattoos upon their persons. And they were scrambling all over town to find a way to get rid of them. I mean, some of these boys were going back to hard-shelled Baptist towns like Scratching Post, West Virginia, and they had these naked people on their arms. They were trying to get nuns' habits tattooed on them. I don't know what. Get rid of them. Danny Danzel, aware of the trade, passing by his door hung a sign out. It was his shill, how he got people in off the street. It said, world's only tattoo-removing machine. They got inside, and he had a big tank full of water and a whole lot of piranha fish. It seemed to work. Well, I don't know any songs about tattooing. If you know any songs about tattooing, you send them along to me. That's what I should play right about now. Well, there was the one. There was uh, Ethel Barrymore, who toured in Captain Jinx of the Horse Marines after the turn of the century. And this, one of the songs in there kind of went, uh, Walter, take me to the altar, and I'll show you where I'm tattooed. Let's listen to another song from the Rose Tattoo. I heard this story from a brakeman in the in the railroad yards of the Denver Rio Grande and Western Railroad in Grand Junction, Colorado, Queen of the Rails. Bound with that little dog to keep him warm, old Queen of the Rails. 
The black smoke shoots you gone away, bum, and it's just not the same. Dreams are few and far between, but memories seldom fail. From waiting down there by the track for her master to come back, you can count on seeing that old dog, old queen of the rails. One day he went to get a bone, left his little pal alone. He crossed the coupling joints of a train that blocked the yard. They switched a reefer off the main and humped it into Boomer's train. He fell and died beneath the iron wheels, so cold and hard. The black smoke choo-choo's gone away, bum, and it's just not the same. Dreams are few and far between, but memories seldom fail. If there's a place for some old friend who waits until the journey's end, the boomer he'll be glad to see old queen of the rails. Word from the jungles here. Yeah, word, this is kind of stuff that in the Rose Tattoo we discuss when we're sitting around our fire, the same kind of thing that goes on at the Hobo Gathering in Marquette, or the, the big one there, uh, celebrating its 100th anniversary in the year 2000 there at uh, the Hobo Convention in Britt, Iowa. I'm a Grand Duke of that convention. I got dubbed Grand Duke by Steam Train Mari Graham, permanent king of the East, his very self. Well... It was, uh, it was uh, Boomer Bob Sukiel, a railroad engineer for many, many years down on the Union Pacific in Kansas City. He was at the rendezvous there up in Minnesota, and he brought us intelligence, information about something which concerns us very, very deeply. Now, one of the former kings of the hobos was named Liberty Justice. Good on the trains, a pretty good song maker, too, and a pretty good singer. But Liberty Justice has evidently left the rails. I mean, he's gone out of control. Liberty Justice has founded an organization in Kansas City called HOBO, Help Our Brothers Overcome. And this is a, a group of people that are trying to convince... The, well, I'll you, give you his, his words themselves. See, he says, see, if they'll agree to let us ride the trains, which we're going to do anyway, we'll agree not to damage or pilfer anything on their trains. And we don't do those things now anyway. We'll also promise to help them stop anyone else doing those things. In other words, Liberty, come on, Liberty. He wants to turn hobos, tramps, into cinder dicks, into railroad police. Well, that's not what we do it for. That's not what it's all about. That's not why we're there, for crying out loud. Well, listen to old Goble Reeves, the Texas Drifter, 1927. He has something to say about that, H-O-B-O. I do, folks. This is station H-O-B-O operating on a vagrancy of from 30 to 90 days by authority of your local police force. We bring to you at this hour a little uh, side door Pullman passenger we brought in off of last night's freight train. He got his guitar with him, and we're going to have him sing and play a little song for you. Come on over here, Drifter, and sing for folks, will you? Yes, sir, Sap. I mean, Cap, yes, I'm going to sing for him. What you going to sing? Well, just sing anything, boy, but start singing. Yes, you know, I'm going to tell you folks that I've really seen America first. We're riding on a dirty freight train. 
been from the Frisco Golden Gates to the rock-bound coast of Maine. Now I've harvest wheat in Kansas, cut ice in Montreal. But the work I had done in Texas, my friend, was the worst job to them all. You know, I was riding on a dirty old freight train going into the painted west. When I swung down off in a western town with a very much needed rest. I'd been working hard up in Kansas, felt that I had earned a flop. But as I swung down off that train, I ran into a cop. You know what that policeman done to me, Cap? Well, he took me to the cheese of police who stuck me with a fine. Took half a doggone cent I had, even to my last thin dime. But he turned me out next morning, just at the break of day. And be careful, boy, how you leave this town. I heard him plainly say, they're paying a dollar a hundred over yonder in that cotton patch. There's a little dopey shack down there, hobo, where you can cook and batch. Now there I was, good people, and I never picked cotton in my life. And the end of them old Texas cotton bowls, my friend, was sharp as a butcher knife. You know, I picked that stuff about a week and two days and almost broke my back. When I asked the man for my pay, said, boy, you still owe for your sack. Now listen to me, good people. If you ever do start to roam, you can travel north, south, east, or west, but leave it alone, star still alone. You know, they got a man down there shoots hobos, dresses in a plaid wool shirt. They had to put a woman in a governor's chair, cause the men didn't like that word. I Well, this station's programs come to you from Station HOBO, my friends. This is the ball and chain hookup, the coast-to-coast guesswork. We release the air now to Station J-A-I-L. And good night. <laughs> oh, Global Reeves. Global Reeves, isn't that charming? Well, take that, Liberty Justice, damn it. Let's listen to a tale now, a tale of the open road. I first heard this tale from Dakota Sid Clifford, who around here is a prominent old singer and songwriter, and, but he does everything. He's a fine auto mechanic. He can build a house. I don't care what you need done. Dakota Sid Clifford can do it. I heard this story from him, and of course, when I decided to tell this story to honor that fact, I put Sid into it. The toughest person I ever met in my life, I was hitchhiking out of... It's either Cedar Rapids or Rapid City, whichever one is in, the, is in South Dakota. I can't remember. You, which, which is it? Thank you. I get lost in a phone booth, you know. But I was hitchhiking out of there, and I, I was picked up by a, a car thief by the name of Dakota Sid Clifford. I figured if you want to get where you're going fast, you might as well get picked up by a car thief. Well, he had, he had scored some kind of little candy apple red unit. I mean, it was pretty. Uh, and, and the road was straight as an arrow out in front and just as straight behind us. We did some shimmy oscillations up the pike. It was phenomenal. The only thing on that road was a kind of little stuccoed gas station with a faded red Texaco star on a rusty tin sign creaking in the prairie breeze. We pulled in to get some gas. 
Out of that station creaked the oldest artifact I am ever likely to see. In advanced stages of crusty old farthood. Stuck his head right in the car window, said, hot damn young fella, some fine car you got here, must have 14 forward speeds on her and 25 cylinders. It's got four and four, Dakota said, Clifford said, fill it full of the high test, I am in a desperate hurry. Well, he started pumping gas and doing chin music at us, you know how they do. At length he said, young fella, out back of this station, I've got me a 1932 Plymouth Roadster. It is the fastest car hereabouts. You wouldn't be interested in a little turn, a little contest up the pike, would you, huh? Well, Dakota said, Clifford said, as I told you, I'm in a desperate hurry and I'm going to stand on this thing, but you're welcome to catch us if you've a mind to. And we roared out of there. Well, ten minutes later, I hunkered down in the chair and looked in the rearview mirror, and there he was. Big cloud of dust behind us, right with us, up through 60, 80, 100, 120 miles an hour. He was right with us. Dakota said, Clifford said, I want that car. We pulled off out of the apron, and he bore down on us. We dismounted. He was bearing down on us. I don't know how the hell fast he was going. He roared by down about a quarter of a mile, turned around and flew back at us, kept going. Twenty times that fellow roared back and forth in front of us. The Dakota said, Clifford out there waving oil bonds and stock futures and $1,000 bills and jewels. Stop. I want to buy our damn car. He began to slow down, finally stopped right in front of us, big cloud of dust. Dakota said Clifford waved into it, kicking gravel and cinders. There was that old man standing there. But there was no car. What happened to that 1932 Plymouth Roadster, Dakota said Clifford said. Old man said, well, I wasn't in it. He took off out of that station so damn fast I got my suspenders caught in your rear bumper. <laughs> That's tough. Hey, thanks, Sid. Thanks, Sid. A damn good yarn. Well, we're drawing to a close here, and this is... It was a pure pleasure over the summer, since I've not been doing the show, been able to get around a little bit more to spend some time with my old friends of the road, sometimes people I never think I'll see again as long as I live. So it was a pure pleasure to make their acquaintance again. And, and we'll have the rendezvous out here, oh, up at Cuddy's place on the ridge, sooner or later again. Let's listen to one of those old songs... Oh, I made this up years and years ago outside the railroad yard in Decatur, Illinois, trying to get down to East St. Louis Yards to catch the old Frisco Road and beat it out to the coast.
standing here in the breakdown lane. And don't think I'll make it today. And I wish the road was a big freight train, just a blowing and rolling my way. I know the rain wouldn't seem so cold on top of an old boxcar. Wherever it was I was trying to go, it wouldn't seem half so far. I remember the Roper Yard Cafe and a pretty little beanery queen. She gave those jailhouse buds away to a bum she'd never seen. Well, I tipped her with a couple of rhymes on the back of a placemat there. And I've thought about her plenty of times when I couldn't bum a square. For the time we rode on a piggyback, punching the Great Divide, the blowing snow had iced the track and the train got stuck inside. The diesel fumes, they got so thick, I thought we'd all be gassed. They sanded her out just in the nick, punched her through at last. Now, I don't claim to be too proud to shag a ride on my thumb, but I'd trade this whole hitchhiking crowd for an honest old railroad bum. And if there ever comes a day when the rails have gone to rust, I'll put my jug and bindle away just to give up in disgust. Beyond these gentle eastern hills, the soft New England sky, to the highball whistles echo still where the mile-long blazers fly. Sitting here by the toll road gates, I wonder as I rest, to the heavy, clanking, lonely freights still thunder away out west. Have you seen the morning sun putting shadows on the run? You were climbing out of some old reaper hole. High above the roaring wheels, then you know just how it feels to ride the tops and watch the prairies roll. I don't know where I left it, though it's always on my mind. I ask the same old questions all the time. Is the old town still the same? Does anybody know my name? The years slip by like numbers on an endless highway sign. The Frisco Road. And it always is a pure pleasure to be with you and to crank this all up one more time. Let's finish off with some real traveling music. Rudyard Kipling, uh, sung by one of the great voices of my generation, one of the great voices of your generation. I don't care how old you are. The Road to Mandalay, sung by Jerry Colonna. <laughs> The paddles yakking off to chain across the bay on the road to Mandalay, where the flying fishes play. Under the dawn comes up like thunder out of a chain across the bay. Ship me somewhere east of Suez, where the best is like the worst, where there aren't no ten commandments, 
And a man can raise a furnace Boots, boots, boots Marching up and down again And there's no discharge from the wall That was Jerry Colonna. Yes, we had to fade that one out, but it's terrible anyway. All right, let's get some theme music up here and travel. This has been and hopefully will continue to be UU Utah Phillips, the golden voice of the great Southwest, and Loafer's Glory, the hobo jungle of the mind. Edward Abbey. I wish to be an inspector of volcanoes. I want to study cloud formations and memorize the wind and learn the habits of the ponderosa pine. While we sit here in our air-conditioned offices rattling fresh documents and arranging new wars, wasting time and squandering eternity, some really great things are happening out there. <laughs> 